to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message. Father, I say thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We say thank you that you're here. Lord, we love you so much. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Spirit of God, I'm asking that you'd give us eyes salve, Lord God, to see clearly. I ask, Lord, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you that we may know the hope of your calling, the riches of your glorious inheritance in the saints, and the greatness of the power toward us who believe. Holy Spirit, come. You are our teacher. Spirit of God, speak to our hearts. Lord, we worship you. What a privilege it is to gather around your word. Lord, I ask that you would stretch forth your hand to heal and do signs and wonders and miracles in the name of your servant, Jesus. Lord, we bless you. You are God. Be lifted up. Hallowed be your name, Lord, we say in your wonderful name. Amen. When I was um, just a young believer, you know, I'd, I'd grown up um, in Brisbane and I, I believed in miracles. I, I mean, like Catherine Coleman used to say, I believe in miracles because I believe in God. But I'd really not seen the big stuff, you know, that I'd hear about, like I thought it only ever happened in Africa or India. And so I, I began to just get so hungry. And I share a little bit about the, my journey with that in, in my book. But I, um, I, I began to feed on the faithfulness of God, like it, talk, like it talks about in the Psalms, and just get hungry to, to read about the miracles. I'd read everything I could on Catherine Coleman, Maria Woodworth Edda, John G. Lake, Smith Wigglesworth, A.A. Allen, William Branham, whoever I could get. I could read some testimonies about the miracle power of God. I needed to get a grid on the inside of me because I'd only seen uh, you know, a few healings, really, in, uh, in my in my own life, and I wanted to see this. And I began to cry out to God. I'd read about uh, John G. Lake's experience of the baptism of fire, and I thought maybe I missed something. You know, I'd gotten baptized with the Holy Spirit when I was about 14, having been saved when I was 12, and I, I went out the back with the pastors and a whole bunch of people, and, and I expected tongues, and tongues is what I got, and I Thought, you know, and then now in prayer meetings, I can pray like everybody else. And that was, uh, that was my expectation, and that's what I received. But when I would read about the miracles that these guys saw, I'd think, did I, did I miss something? And I, I didn't know. I didn't have the theology. But I began to cry out, Holy Spirit, baptize me with fire. And I got so hungry, and I got so desperate. And he did. And he did, and I've never been the same again. <laughs> oh, God. And that's what I want for you, that he would set your heart ablaze. And, you know, I, have, um, I, I just feel so grateful that the Holy Spirit is so patient with us, that he's so kind, because he is so good at teaching us. He takes the weak and foolish things of the world and confounds the wise. Right. I am a perfect example. And, and he, he takes, he takes well, I used to think I was a difficult case. I had this, this idea about me that I was just a difficult case. I was so insecure and I was so, 
and, and, and so had such a messed up view of who I was. I'd come from a background of abuse and rejection and abandonment and, and I, I just, I was always so insecure. But you know what? Perfect love casts out fear. And that's the answer to insecurity, which is wonderful. Thank you, God. I, I married my husband when I was 20, and um, he is a most wonderful man, such a, such a godly, empowering man. And, um, I, but when I married him, I, I thought, this is awesome. Finally, somebody has committed till they die to love me. You know, and, and for an insecure person that had really been seeking someone to love them, I was like, gotcha. He has to love me till he dies legally. He has to love me till he dies. And, you know, the next thought that I had then was like, what if he does die? <laughs> and so I just started to have this secret fear that would just be gnawing uh, on the inside. What if he dies? What if he dies? Who's going to love me then? And I was terribly codependent and he'd go away on business trips and I'd be up at 2 a.m. with babies on my hip saying, how could you be away? How could you leave it? Poor fellow. God bless him. God bless Tom. <laughs> he's, a ble- he's a good man. But, you know, the Holy Spirit is jealous to be for us what we crave, what we long for. You know, there is not a person on the planet that can fill your need for love like you really need it. You know, I, I have a wonderful husband. I have great family. I have great friends. I have a beautiful team. But all of those people can, can never really, really, really understand me and, and fill my need for love. All they can do is external. But there is one who lives on the inside of me, who knows me completely, and he gets me. Complicated as I am, he gets me. He understands me. And he walks with me and he's jealous to comfort me all the time in the big stuff and the little, little stuff. And it's so wonderful. But the Lord came and he set me free from that fear that I had. And I won't share my testimony tonight because it's a bit, it, it takes a bit of time. But I want to tell you tonight, the Spirit of God is here to set you free. He's here to set you free from fear. The wonderful thing about Jesus is that he sets you free from you. (sighs) So no matter what you've thought about yourself, there is real hope. (laughs) Because he is amazing. And we have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us and he's amazing. And he wants to day by day, moment by moment, help you know and understand that as believers in Christ, you too are amazing. You are altogether lovely. Hallelujah. Uh, and, uh, and I'm praying that this weekend, I just really sense that the Holy Spirit is going to do something very special in these meetings. So I have an excitement in my heart uh, for what the Lord's going to do. As Chris said, we've had uh, just amazing Amazing time as the Lord has begun to really move with such power. I think in the last year, I don't think that there's been a town I've been to 
where we haven't had the deaf here and, and um, amazing miracles. I think in the last couple of months, we've probably seen 12 deaf ears, uh, totally deaf ears pop open, seeing tumours disappear, the people's sight being restored, tunnel vision being healed, cataracts disappearing, tumours disappearing. Uh, we've been uh, getting reports of people. We even had a lady who stood in proxy for her daughter. Um, she'd had um, a secondary infection from a, an appendix operation and her white blood cell count was very, very high. She was in the hospital and her mum just stood in proxy. And that night uh, they did the, a blood test and immediately she was healed. She was released from hospital the next day. The white blood cell count was back to normal. She came and testified the following night. And, and this happens over and over again, actually. I, I was in Sydney a while back and, I mean, the miracles just started to pop. It was just their faith just... Uh, the gift of faith just came in the room and I've had that happen sometimes where there's a moment where it's just like, oh, anything can happen. It's so awesome. <laughs> Let it be tonight, Daddy. And um, this couple just, they, they just got so excited. They came out and they, they asked for prayer in the middle of the meeting. And, um, and I went to pray for them and the Holy Spirit just took me into a trance and in, in a vision, I walked into the hospital room where their son was and laid hands on him. And the next morning, we got a report from the, doctor to, uh, from the parents saying that the doctors had, uh, had just released their son from hospital because at that moment, he'd been healed. And so there's nothing impossible for God. I just love Jesus. He's, he's amazing. And I love the Word of God. You know, we are, we are really believing that we have stepped into, as a nation, stepped into such a season of acceleration. And in this season of acceleration, I believe we've got to be very careful to remain anchored on the Word of God. Jesus Christ, uh, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by Him. And He is the rock on which we build all our uh, foundations, all our doctrine, all our theology must be built on the rock who is Jesus. And Jesus is the answer. Hooray. In that every time someone came to him with a problem, with a sickness, with whatever it was, they'd run out of wine, someone was dead, someone was sick. Every time someone came to Jesus with a problem saying, help me, Lord, without fail in the scripture, Without fail, Jesus manifested himself to them as the answer. And any doctrine we try and build that, that exalts itself against the knowledge of who Jesus is, and Jesus is the answer. Very good. You're going to catch on. I like it when we're interactive. Hallelujah. So you can talk back to me. I'm not a TV. You can, you can talk back. So Jesus is the answer, and, and in everything we believe, we've, I believe we've got to come back to the simplicity of Christ and Him crucified. And if it doesn't line up with that, then we don't want it. Hallelujah. Because He is more than enough. Oh, I tell you, if you would just start to embrace your inheritance, you wouldn't need anything else. Hallelujah. Because it is more glorious than we've ever understood. I've been praying recently that uh, we'd be fully aware and fully awake. 
And I really believe that we are living in a time where the Holy Spirit is quickening. You just shared it there. We're sensing the same thing. There's such a hunger and there's such a freshness of, uh, I believe, the simplicity of the gospel. And uh, myself, I've been on this little journey. I, I don't know if, you, if any of you saw a word on the Elijah list recently that I just released about the raw gospel. And um, I've never been particularly fussy about uh, stuff. I like food. But I felt just recently, a few a couple of months ago, just to stop eating processed sugar. And, you know, if you like sugar, no worries. But it was just something I wanted to do. So I started to do that. And I realized my tastes started to change. And in Brisbane particularly, I don't know what it's like here in Melbourne, but there's a real culture of wanting to eat organic and raw food and not processed food, all that sort of stuff. If, it's, if you haven't experienced it here in Melbourne, it's coming. There's, it's, it's, there's just this hipster culture that just wants the raw, the, the non-GMO, the, you know, the organic. That, and don't get freaked out if, you are, if you're not like that. It's okay. But, but that's, that's sort of a, a natural occurrence that's happening in, in Western society right now. And I believe it's a prophetic sign in the natural of something that's happening in the spirit. That the people of God are hungry, not for the processed, the filtered, the added to, the watered down. They want the real and the raw. Hallelujah. They want the organic. They want the real. They want to view the Word of God, not with the lenses of past doctrine, but they want to just read it as it is and have it raw and real and organic. And I know that the Spirit of God is doing this. I've had the privilege of spending a bit of time over the last few weeks with um, Todd White. And anyone know of Todd? And he came and did a conference for us. And then I, the following week I was in the US doing a conference with him. And I, I've just been so blessed to be around the people who are speaking very much the same language and living a life that is just, I just want to know Jesus more. And we, are, we ourselves, we are in an amazing um, outpouring in Brisbane. So many people are getting saved. The fish are just jumping into the boat. It's really so exciting what God is doing. But people just want to talk about Jesus. They want to feast on it. They want to eat it. And, and instead of being conformed to the pattern of the world, the hunger in the new believers that are coming in is not to, to do what they used to do. They want to, they want to embrace the lifestyle of Jesus. They, they, they get saved and their thought is, how, who can we tell? Who can we pray for? They want to pray for the sick. They want, to, they want to release the kingdom of God. They want to talk about the gospel. They are wanting to be discipled. And what does life look like when you're a believer? And the believers are waking up to the reality that though so for many years, many have been living half asleep, unaware of what it actually means to have been Come a child of God to have as our inheritance his kingdom. The greatness of the power toward us who believe. I read the Bible now and it's just like I'm reading through new lenses. It's like, oh, we can have this. 
you know, well, oh, we can have this. This belongs to me. This is available. Why would we do anything other than live a life full of power and love and glory? Hallelujah. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy. And he's adjusting and shifting our, our lenses to begin to really see in such a way that it overwhelms the senses. You know, I can eat fruit now and it tastes so sweet. And it's like this, it, that's what's happening with the scripture. It's like the scripture is so sweet. It's so, ah, things that we may have read for years and years. Suddenly it's like, whoa, did you read this? And there's a hunger for the word. And I believe in this season of glorious outpouring and acceleration, we need to be vigilant to be a people of the word of God, people who will anchor, anchor ourselves in the word. I like to listen on the audio Bible. I like to, so I, I like to study it that way. I like to snack on it. I like to, you know, you could have Colossians for breakfast. I, I like to just ask the Holy Spirit where to read when I get a, a spare moment. And, and I love it. I'm doing a chronological read through on my audio Bible. And, and I'm just enjoying the word of God. But without it, there are a lot of clever teachers around that can come and they can sound really good. But you could read in the Proverbs that one argument sounds really good until you hear the other side. And the Word of God will bring you the truth. Hallelujah. It's like a, he's like a Holy Ghost chiropractor that just sorts you out when you read the Word. You go, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I can listen to some really persuasive, clever arguments and then go and look up the Word of God and go, aha. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? Amen. Ooh, I like it here. I feel very free. I believe the Spirit of God is here in the house. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. <laughs> I get happy sometimes, and that's okay. You know, God, um, God made us all different. And... and some people, I think, just have weak wiring when it comes to the Holy Spirit. That would be me. And, um, and he likes our personalities too. And if somebody tells me really good news, my natural personality is to get excited. But, you know, my husband's quite different. He's a, he's a Finn. And um, anybody who knows about Finnish men know that they're quite stoic. And, and um, his personality is very different. And... The Holy Spirit could be doing something amazing and he'd be having an encounter in heaven and all you might know about it is maybe a little tear trickle down his face. But the Holy Spirit touches me and I'm jelly on the floor or shaking or laughing or screaming or squealing. Or, and that's okay. And you don't have to be like anybody else. But what the Holy Spirit does want is he wants to unlock your worship as you were created to worship God. That is, he's looking for you to respond to every time there is something revealed more about Jesus, that we would respond with a spontaneous um, response to God that would be worship. So if I hear a good revelation about something, or if I hear a testimony... It manifests a new revelation of Jesus to me. It, it shows me something more about Jesus. And my personality wants to go, oh, wow, or whatever I might do. And God considers that true worship. 
Because it's a genuine, spontaneous response to the Spirit of God revealing Jesus to me. Hallelujah. So that being said, throughout this weekend, if you get any revelation come that, that makes your heart go, ah, don't be polite. Just let the worship flow. Hallelujah. And let the Father receive what he deserves. Amen. Hooray. Oh, I like your people too. This is good here. Romans chapter 8. Oh, if you haven't read Romans 8, read it 10 times. It's so delicious. Oh, yum. Yum, yum, yum. Very good food. Romans chapter 8. I was just reading this on the airplane. So we'll start here because I'll share. It was pretty sweet. Verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is, in, is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But here's the good news. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God is in you. Hooray! See, that was worship. If you were reading this with a raw lens, you'd be like, oh, sweet. Now, if indeed anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he's not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Hallelujah. Oh, it just gets good. The whole book. Oh, so good. But this revelation of who we are in Christ is so important today because God wants to release his glory in a way that is unprecedented. You know, if you look at... Um, history, you can see, you can read about the book of Acts and all the miracles and the glory and people getting healed as, people, as Peter would walk past. And we'd read about the miracles, we'd read Jesus saying that greater works than these shall they do. But then as you do an, a study through history, bit by bit, revelation was lost, things were added, teachings were added, ideas, man-made rules and regulations came in and bit by bit, the glory diminished until they got right down to the dark ages and they began to tell people, hey, look, you couldn't possibly understand the Bible. Don't even bother reading it. In fact, I don't think it should be legal that you read the Bible. And they took the word of God away. But then bit by bit, we began to see the restoration of truth. You'd have Wycliffe and you'd have the reformers and it's just a wonderful study to watch and see. And the price that was paid for the restoration of truth. Now, the religious spirit is a nasty thing. It masquerades as righteous, but it's ugly. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy, not man-made regulations. And... But bit by bit, breakthrough came as truth was revealed and revelation came. But if you do a study of these major restorations of truth, you will see something very interesting that there is a magnificent acceleration in the restoration of these truths. It's snowballing. And it's snowballing at such a pace 
It's very exciting. But I believe the heart of God was never to bring us back to the book of Acts. You see, God says in Isaiah 61, For your former shame, pain and disgrace, I will give you double recompense. I believe the heart of God was never just to bring us back to the place where the church was birthed. But he wants to do double. He wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask, hope or imagine. And I believe we have entered into the slipstream of acceleration in the Spirit of God where the glory of God is going to be so poured out. Ah, It's going to be awesome. It is awesome. I'm living in it. It's just begun. And I truly believe that God has put his hand on our nation. Hallelujah. That, you know, Smith Wigglesworth prophesied that the last great move of the Holy Spirit would begin here in Australia. Wahoo! So, I'm here to tell you it's begun. Very good. Hooray. So, but in this acceleration, in this glory, that's where we can we also need to be careful to recognize our need for God. You see, the more the favor of God gets poured on my life, and it's getting pretty thick. Oh, Jesus loves me. God told us to start a TV program. And so We've just been offered free airtime at the prime spot on TBN for free. (laughs) Sid Roth has said he's given us his prime spots, 11 a.m. on Sundays and 7 p.m. Sundays in America, for free all over the world. And it's like, oh, God, Jesus, you're so awesome. And, I mean, there's like crazy, glorious favor happening But the more that God does, the more my heart goes, Oh, God. Oh, God. I need you, Jesus. Which is the way it's supposed to be. But that's why I've been praying for probably the last 12 months now. Holy Spirit, give me myself to see. You see, in the book of Revelation, in Revelation 3, um, the the Lord was addressing People who had developed an attitude that I'm rich and full and have need of nothing. And he was saying, but really, you need to ask for myself." And I, I believe in this season of when, as we are about to see amazing things. I've had reports of people being healed just as I walk past them, which is so amazing. But in these times where we're seeing this sort of outpouring and the miracles and the glory... We need myself more than ever to recognize our need for the Holy Spirit. You see, the more we need him, the more we'll go and get. He's laid a banqueting table before us in the presence of our enemies. But if we don't recognize how hungry we are, we won't go and feed. If we don't know our hunger, if we don't know our need, we won't go and get it. And many have been feeding and feasting and filling up on on the worldly stuff, unaware that they were created for greater glory, unaware of what really is available and accessible. And that's why I'm praying, Lord, awaken my heart. 
wake me up to truth. I, I had a, um, an experience a while back. I kept seeing um, the numbers 1111. 11, and I, uh, you know, I, I'm... I'm a, in the, the prophetic circles, and people have been talking about this for years, and I never really paid much interest in it. But then recently again, I was seeing 11-11 all the time, and I thought, Holy Spirit, are you trying to say something? I spend time with Cindy Jacobs, and, and she just challenges me. She, she'll say, did you see that number plate? Did you hear what God was saying? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I wasn't looking. So I'm trying to pay more attention when the Holy Spirit draws my attention to stuff, you know? And um, so I said, okay, Holy Spirit, what's this all about? I looked up every scripture I could find. Nothing seemed to make sense. Then I thought I'd ask for help. Holy Spirit, help. And he just said, go to John 11, 11. And as I turned there, it says that um, Jesus was saying to the disciples, my friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. And the Lord began to speak to me about the fact that he wants to wake us up. And the word Lazarus, the name Lazarus actually means God is helper. And the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. I want to remind you and I want to wake you up to the help that's available to those who will ask. The Holy Spirit is so jealous to help you. He's so jealous to help you in the big stuff and in the little stuff. And he wants to walk with you. He wants to talk with you. He wants to wake you up to his help so that you can walk in resurrection power. Yeah. So now every time I see 11.11, I remind myself, Holy Spirit's helper. Holy Spirit, you're actually jealous to help me. While I'm looking around trying to find the solution here, there and everywhere. When I'm trying to talk to people to figure it out. When I'm, when I'm anxiously figuring my way through things. You are standing there behind me, be beside me, jealous to help me. And I want to be aware. I want to be aware. I want to talk to you. I want to know your help. I want to ask you all the time. I want to be aware of my need so I can get the help that I need. You see, he, he gives us everything pertaining to life and godliness, but it comes through the knowledge of him, the knowledge of who he is, our helper, our wonderful Jesus. Hooray. Anyway, I'm just sharing with you my, my favorite stuff. Hmm. So let's have a little look. Shakarabasa. Let's have a look at Second Peter chapter 1. Are you happy? If you're not, the Holy Spirit knows how to help you. He really does. I like Brian Simmons' translation of Psalm 38. He says, You know our deepest longings and our greatest desires. My tears are liquid words and you can read them all. <sighs> Why would we think that TV could be a comfort? When he wants to be, he wants to be so much more. I tell you, we have lived so long conformed to the pattern of the world. But if we would wake up to what we actually have available to us, I can hardly stand still with excitement as I think about it. And I pray for you that God will give you that. 
And the nice thing is, I know whatever I ask, he gives. <laughs> I'm excited for you. Give it to the Jesus. <laughs> Awakening. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm not mad, I'm just happy. <laughs> Ah, pause and think about that. I have it. First, Second Peter, chapter 1. Verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Oh, yes, please. Thank you, Daddy. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped that corruption that is in the world through lust. Hooray. And then he goes on and he talks about the virtues of God. And, and then he says this, For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. You know, I used to read scriptures like I read before in Romans 8 or here. And I'd, I'd read it with a lens of works. I'd read it with a lens that said, well, you know, I'm not, I sometimes live according to the flesh. I don't even know if I'm really saved, you know. And then I'd feel terrible. And then I'd read the promises of God that were for the righteous. And I'd go, rats. Oh, well. Oh, God, help me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, I, you know, I have a, I have a rather sensitive nature. And I was, I was just being kicked around by the devil. I'd read stuff in the scripture. Those who are born of God do not sin. I'd go, oh God, I wasn't being born of you. I didn't understand. Oh, but I've got such wonderful news for you. Oh, stay tuned. <laughs> he says here, if you lack any of these things, any of these virtues, basically, if you lack any of the virtues of the divine nature, and let me just explain what the divine nature is. It's Jesus. Like if you're not doing all the things Jesus did and greater works than Jesus, and if you're not manifesting love, which is patient and kind and long-suffering and all those lovely things all the time, all the time, then he doesn't say, well, I hardly even think you're saved. He doesn't say, shame on you, try harder. He doesn't say, go and put yourself in the naughty corner until you sort yourself out. He says it's because you've forgotten that you've been cleansed from your past sins. It says something similar in the book of James, if you want to turn there. Ooh la la paha. This is cool. Verse 22 of chapter 1. 
But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. This was another one that was a real good smack stick for myself. I would get beaten up by this. I'm not really a doer of the word. God, I deceive myself. I'm a hearer and I'm not a doer. Oh, God, woe is me. I'm going to try harder. The more I try, the worse it gets. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But you keep reading. He says this, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. What he's saying is if you're not a doer of the work, like if you're not doing all the stuff, Jesus did, if you are not being Jesus, because as he is, so are we in this world. He doesn't say, sort yourself out, pathetic people, be condemned, try harder. He tells us it's because you've, you're like someone that's looked in the mirror and then walked away and forgotten what you look like. He's saying the same thing as Peter, that basically... This is a deception. If you're not living in the divine nature and doing all the works of Jesus, the reason is, is that you've forgotten what you look like. It's in the book. It's there. It's like multiple times. This is not some strange doctrine. It's in Romans. It's in James. It's in Second Peter. It's everywhere. And I believe that the Spirit is God is wanting to awaken us to the truth that we've been made free. That's exciting. Some of you are still thinking, am I a doer of the word? If you aren't measuring up, it means that you can get excited because there is revelation to come that is going to cause you to step into a life that is more abundant you've ever imagined. (laughs) It means that the Spirit of God wants to wake you up to the truth that you have been set free from sin. That in Christ, hallelujah, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Hooray! Like we can quote that Sunday school scripture. Raw gospel, it's no longer me who exists, but Christ who lives in me. Like seriously, you should be exceptionally happy I'm here. If you actually believe that, you'd be so excited for the next person you're about to meet. Genuinely, please hear me. You'd understand what you have. (laughs) So trying to keep it together. (laughs) It tells us in Corinthians... That we all with unveiled faces behold as in a mirror (sighs) the glory of God 
When you look in a mirror, what do you see? You see what you look like. And the Bible tells us who our mirror is to be. It is to be Him. As He is, so are we in this world. By grace we have been saved through faith. Not of works, as anyone should boast. Therefore, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The Father is asking us to wake up and realize that the just shall live by faith. That's not just a good scripture that was great for the Reformation. That is for you today. Daily, you are called and required to actively live in the faith that will fight for truth, that will remind yourself and will daily look in the mirror of who it is and say, thank you, God, it is no longer I who live. I reckon myself dead. I remind myself that because of the great sacrifice of Jesus, I no longer exist, but Christ now lives in me. He is the hope of glory. Hallelujah. Just as I need to look in the mirror and check if I've combed my hair or put my lipstick on, much more so do I need to be looking in the mirror of the truth of the Word of God into the mirror of His face and say, what do I look like? When temptation comes against me, instead of feeling bad like I used to do, oh God, I can't believe I had that thought, I can't believe I'm so tempted to be judgmental or angry or whatever it is. Instead of letting myself become defined by temptation, I am now able to let temptation be the thing that causes me to sharpen the sword and get it out and say, actually... I used to be somebody that gratified the desires of the sinful nature, Ephesians chapter 2. But that's not who I am anymore. Hooray! (laughs) Romans 8, I can pull it out and say, temptation's coming. And he's so sneaky. I've, I've often had the devil try like with this, this isn't working. So he'll come on the same theme with with old themes again and you go you're just overplaying your hand here this is ridiculous you're trying to get me to buy into the lie that that's me that's who I am I have this weakness I'm this I'm this I'm terrible actually no that's who I used to be I used to be somebody that lived according to the flesh but the Bible tells me that now that I've been born of God My identity is I no longer gratify that. I no longer live according to the sinful nature. I no longer, it no longer has a hold on me. It only have a hold on you if he can make you believe that it's coming from within you and it's not in you anymore because Christ is in you. Hip, hip, hooray. That's happy dance, worship worthy. Yeah, Jesus. Isn't that great? Instead of having to be defined by by the stuff that comes, you simply can allow it to sharpen your identity. You must live by faith. And you must actively fight the good fight of faith that causes you to rise up and say, no, I am not going to allow that condemnation to creep in. I'm not going to allow that stuff. That's not who I am anymore. And as I think in my heart, so I will be. My actions, my thinking 
change when I actually start to believe it, actually believe it, actually be somebody who lives by faith.